The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you get the very latest episode of the Boston Podcast, the show where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. Just want to thank our new sponsor, All Inclusive with Jay Ruderman. It's a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Some great interviews on that show. Check it out. Find it on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else you find your podcast or go to allinclusivepodcast.com. Lucky for me, I've got an old pal on the line. Harry, how long have I known you for? A while, I think. Oh, don't let him know how old we are. <laughs> I can tell you I'm old enough to have gotten my, my, my COVID vaccine. Oh, oh, well, congratulations on that. It is my good friend, attorney Harry Margolis. She's in the virtual studio. And we've got a, a lot to talk about because uh, he's got a couple projects. He's got a book that he has written. He's got a secret new project that will point a finger at, the bo- at those who refer to our generation as okay boomer well we'll get into all that but i i remember harry when you i was at lawyers weekly you were relatively newly minted lawyer and you quickly invented i like to say you invented the the phrase elder law and you opened you opened a a firm called elder was it called elder law associates it was called elder law services i was only going to do elder law and wanted to market that and uh, yeah that goes way back Mm -hmm. and uh, and decided no one knew who i was so i should call elder law services Yes. And we wrote about it in Lawyers Weekly. You were like the the whiz kid. And I always give you as an example of someone who's a great attorney, but also kind of on the cutting edge of, of marketing, where many lawyers are sort of born into this idea that the law is a profession. It's not a, a business. And so you know this, Harry, but many law firms and lawyers are, are late to the game when it comes to marketing innovations. But you always uh, seem to embrace them. Why do you think yeah, that? Is- I think there's definitely been a change in that over the last few decades. But it, it is both a profession; it's both a business. You got to pay your employees. You got to keep the, the the office running, the roof over your head. So you, in order to be a good professional, I think you have to run a good business as well. And do you take some joy in in sort of exploring the the creative side of that? You know, the branding of of your services and all that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. And I also think it's a service. I mean, if you get the word out. Um, about what you're doing. If you really believe that what you're doing is a service, then you should serve as many people as you can, as well as you can. And then a lot of our marketing is is really what's now called content marketing is just uh, to get the information out. And whether it's to clients or to non-clients who, who are all potential clients. Harry's law firm is Margolis and Bloom, but I want to direct you to askharry.info because for uh, I think a few years now, right, Harry, you, you've been yeah. doing blog. You, of course, have the the wonderful Ask Harry podcast. I pat myself on the back for producing it, but you're the one that supplies the the content, as you say, and that's on pod 617. 
But tell me how the pandemic has affected your life. You're someone who I know used to ride your bike, what is it, from Chestnut Hill to downtown Boston every day? Yeah. Was that the deal? Bro- Brookline to downtown Boston okay, Brookline. and uh, near Chestnut Hill. And yeah, but I put on a few pounds because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm no longer commuting, so I'm not on the bike as much, and uh, and, uh, and also not, not getting to the gym as much. Just so my whole routine has been uh, disrupted, unfortunately. Mine, mine as well. I, I've put on a few pounds myself. I kind of at one point I was sick of my the scale I had to weigh myself, and I threw it away and just didn't bother to get a new one until recently. And that was then I got some sobering news when I stepped on that. But it, but it, well, I'm, I'm sure it was miscalibrated. Uh, it, it must have been. It must yeah. have been. It, it cannot possibly be. T- it couldn't have been that bad. But my, this is neither here nor there. But you know, you need to come up with creative ways, particularly during the winter. I don't like running. In, I don't like running at all. But during the winter, it's. Uh, I have a little bit of asthma, and it's really hard to do. So the question becomes, well, what can you do? A lot of people say, oh, just do yoga in front of the TV, you know, or if you want to invest thousands of dollars in a Peloton, I guess you can do that. Have you been able to get out at all or, or at least stay active a little bit? Well, we did uh, get a, a stationary bike. We didn't nice. invest in a Peloton, but a, a cheaper version because mm-hmm. I'm cheap. And, and supposedly everybody in the house was going to use it, but I seem to be the only one using it. Well, well, at least someone's using it. Well, yeah. you're forward thinking. You'll appreciate this. One of the uh, things I treated to myself during the pandemic was uh, virtual reality uh, goggles. It's called, oh. the, it's called the Oculus uh, 2, I guess. Yeah. And at first, I was just sort of playing games on it, and my son got a kick out of it. You can, like, play virtual mini golf, and it actually feels like you're really playing mini golf. But, there was, but there's a... Um, there's a couple of exercise things. And so I can't imagine how stupid I must look like moving back and forth. But there's this, there's, there are these games where these objects fly at you and you have to. Oh, like, I think I've it, heard of that. Yeah. There, there's, there's one called uh saber something. Uh, the Oculus people hate me for getting that. And there's one called uh audio trip where you, you have to exercise for the duration of this, this techno song, but there are things flying at you and then you have to duck and, and wow. bob, bob and weave. And so, like I said, it must, and, uh, but I do work up a sweat. So it's all, it's oh, all about tricking. Sounds good. Yeah. So, and uh, that, that virtual reality thing, I, I mean, that's coming. I mean, it's, it's too bad that it wasn't such a household item that everyone had one during the pandemic, because you can do things like attend a concert virtually, you know, you can attend a conference virtually and it's far better than anything on zoom. Huh. Have you got, uh, have you been, zoomed out or are you keeping up your i'm pretty zoomed yeah. this is uh, what my third so far today okay and uh, a couple more coming up mm-hmm. so it's uh yeah quite zoomed let me ask you about ask harry and then the book the estate planning law has always been your bailiwick ask harry i take it was started to field questions from folks i know you do that on the podcast let's talk about the, that first the, the whole yeah. ask harry thing was the, uh... I've been doing this now for over 30 years and have learned a little bit during that time and have also been, to some extent, explaining the same things and answering the same questions from clients for, for that thir- those 30 years, though sometimes the answers change over time. Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, why not, rather than doing this one by one, client by client, to try to get the information out there. So uh, I wrote the book. First, I wrote a manuscript of the book, which is uh, Get Your Ducks in a Row, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Estate Planning. And then I chopped it up into little pieces and put it on on this website, askcarry.info. And so it's broken up. So if you have any question on about estate planning, hopefully the answer is there. 
And if it's not, you can just post your question and I'll answer it. Mm -hmm. So I don't charge anything for that. And we do get consumer questions from all over the country now um, about estate planning. And then, then I take some of those questions that consumers have asked, and then that's how I add to it. I, I post those on the site so that we keep adding more and more information based really somewhat organic now. If people ask a question, then it gets posted. If they don't ask, then it's probably not an area of much interest, and so we don't post it. Mm-hmm. So get, as you say, get your ducks in a row the book, by the way, find it on Amazon or at askharry.info. And you purposely directed this towards baby boomers and you count yourself in that generation. I'm, I'm smack in the middle You're of right that generation. I'm just, yeah. I'm just slightly younger than a boomer. I'm a, yeah. I'm a boomer junior, I think. But the idea of a generation being, having uh, being, you know, planners or not planners, is that, was that part of the inspiration? Do baby boomers as a generation kind of want to fly by the seat of their pants rather than being real planners or? Maybe, but it's really, that's a, it's a huge group. I mean, there's 72 million of, of them still living or 70 million, I guess the latest number. And the, and they're at the age, the real thing is that they're at the age that they should plan because typically people do some planning when they have kids, if they have kids and they, and then they don't look at it again for 30, 40 years until they get closer to retirement. And the baby boomers are uh, passing age 65 at the rate of 10,000 a day. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if you had, don't have an estate plan, you really need one. Mm-hmm. And so if you are thinking about it as you ought to be, if you're a baby boomer, uh, then you probably have a lot of questions. So the idea of the book, both the book and the website is to be able to answer them. What do you think the biggest mistakes people make? And if you're a boomer sitting here wondering, I wonder if I've done the right thing so far. Basically not planning and the big one. Is, the, is the main one yep. and not reviewing their plan every few years. I mean, it doesn't have to be every few, it could be five to 10 years. It doesn't have to be every three years or anything like that. But the laws change, situations change. So it's interesting because the state has its own plan for you. They have what uh, us lawyers call the rules of intestacy, which uh, says who's going to get your stuff and who's going to make your decisions for you um, if you don't make a plan yourself. And they work pretty well if you um, have an Ozzie and Harriet uh, family with uh, one spouse and uh, two or three perfect kids. But but that probably never that description never described everybody ever. And it probably describes fewer family situations today. People get divorced. They have a successive relationships. They have kids from different marriages. They have kids who uh, have special needs or have drug issues or marry someone they wish they, you, you wish they hadn't married. In all those situations, if you don't have a plan, probably things aren't going to go. Yeah. And the proof is in my personal situation. I my wife at the time and I sat down with an estate planning lawyer, not someone from your firm. We should have went to your firm in, with the benefit of hindsight. But we had a special needs trust set up for our son, Adrian, which I take it remains in place. But the reason I bring it up is because it's you know more than 20 years later, the, that firm barely ever checks in on me other than to send a, a newsletter, you know, and still mm-hmm. send, still send thing, things addressed to my wife and I, even though we've been divorced for six years. So, and uh, now the protections, I'm a good person that, that, you know, I'm guilty of this. I should absolutely go back and revisit it. And um, with Adrian's mom and I, because, you know, we're still on good terms and I'm glad that the trust is in place, but geez, yeah. things will change over periods of time. And, you know, having gone through the process, you know, it all too well, 
you pick people that you trust, you right. know, but then five years later, maybe, you know, your cousin Jim, who was uh, brilliant and now he's down on his luck and he's struggling with the bottle, you know, maybe he's not the best person for, <laughs> to be the next guardian in line to take care of your kids if anything happens. So I take it you got to, that, that's one of the reasons why you got to go back, right? Right. Yep. And, and some people don't do their estate planning because they're saying it's so hard to make a choice, especially that choice. Who's going to be yep. the guardian of your child? Right. And they put it off. And, and but the answer is, I mean, you got to have something in place. Something sure. is better than nothing. And you can always change it if you need to. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your new project, because I find it intriguing. We were talking about baby boomers and, uh, you know, all of uh, us who are anywhere near this age range have derisively heard the call from younger people saying, okay, boomer, meaning, okay, old person, you don't get what's going on in our world. But you've heard that and maybe you've got a notion to turn it on its head, but don't let me put words in your mouth. Tell me about this new project. So I think everyone who's saying, okay, boomer, they got a point. Mm. So if you look at what's happened to our country and the world during our sort of adulthood mm. of the baby boomers, there have been some good things, and uh, but a lot of bad things. So, so my project is to look at what's happened mostly to the country, but a little bit to the world over the last 40 years. And I picked, so 1980 to 2020. And I, I picked 1980 because at that point, most baby boomers were adults and were beginning to kind of take their place in the world. And now you can't blame everything that's happened over the last 40 years on baby boomers. After all, our president, our Speaker of the House, the, our, just, our, our past Senate uh, Majority Leader, okay. Mitch McConnell, were, are all too old to be baby boomers. So right. it's not like the, the prior generation has uh, handed everything over to the baby boomers to run. Mm. We're still waiting mm. to some extent. Mm. But I think we, we have some responsibility for the world as it is, and some things we know are are unfortunate. I mean, we know that, that climate change is, for the most part, the result of carbon we've spewed into the air over the last 40 years. We know that financially, in terms of economics, that there's our country especially has become much more unequal over the last 40 years. And we know that uh, racial issues, I think there have been, has been some improvement but not much, not nearly what there needs to be. I think we lost the sort of era and the changes that that happened in the 60s, lost momentum when during the baby boom ascendancy. On the good side, I think we have gender equity is, again, not where it ought to be, but I think it's made more progress than racial equity over this time. And, and certainly recognition of LGBTQ rights have, have, have um, a huge change over this time. And then if you look internationally, while global trade has hurt a lot of people in the United States, a lot of the reason there's uh, such animosity towards uh, liberals or the elite these days is because uh, we've lost a lot of manufacturing jobs and those that remain are not as good as they used to be. But probably a billion people outside of the United States and mostly in Asia have left poverty. Mm-hmm. During those 40 years. So, so while some of our citizens have paid for it, it's been a huge change for the good. So basically the project is to look at all that to try to first describe what's happened in more detail and uh, with a better understanding, try to figure out why it happened and to, and, and then to see what we can do, do better in the future while us baby boomers still have some energy left. So, <laughs> right. so it's called OK Boomer. It's a start, I started a blog on Substack. So it's okboomer.substack.com. Okay. And, and my hope, and I've talked 
talked with you about earlier, Dave, is to start a, a new podcast that will also be called OK Boomer. And what I'd like to do is bring on guests who have a lot of expertise in economics and sociology in, in, uh, on climate issues and get their opinion on, on all these issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the other biggest changes that we need to deal with is healthcare. Mm-hmm. So an interesting chart, if you look at our healthcare expenditure in 1980, it was a little bit ahead of other developed countries in, um, in mostly in the European Union, mm-hmm. a little bit more. Now we, we spend double mm-hmm. over most of them. And the interesting thing is, most of them have some sort of public health insurance. They also have universal health insurance. And we spend, our government spendings are equivalent per person to theirs. Mm. What's different is that then we spend as much out of our own pockets as private citizens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's gotten totally out of hand and we mm-hmm. got to do something about it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, I like the the spirit of this. And again, the blog is OK Boomer. And you said OK Boomer dot substack.com. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so check out Harry's just getting this off the ground. And I, I always like a contrarian and it's, this thing is kind of part historian, part contrarian, I think, because there, you know, there's too many Americans spend their time patting themselves on the back and calling this the greatest country in the world. And it's, if we're honest, it's, it's really not. Michael Moore did a documentary called where we should invade next. And right. what, he, what yeah. did you see that? Yeah. He, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. He was very, very thoughtful. And no matter where you stand on Michael Moore, you can enjoy this one because all he's saying is he's going around to countries who do something better than us. And so he goes to Italy and interviews this couple who was, let's see, married, I believe they were a married couple in Italy, no kids. And they both had, if not blue collar, relatively low paying jobs, but they had a very nice apartment. They spent, I think something like two months out of the year on in vaca- taking vacations to America and probably to Greece or wherever else. And I was like, how do you afford that? And just, and of course th- there's a counter argument that other parts of Italy's economy are in shambles, but yeah. They did that one. And then there was another country where they did like the schools really well. And the food was like excellent at the schools. And anyway, but I I was struck by having just to put two kids through college. I was uh, struck by, I think they went to Slovenia and looked at Mm -hmm. the the free universities there. My brother did the smart thing of uh, marrying a Swiss woman and moving to Switzerland. Oh, wow. So, so his kids have been totally educated for free. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, there, then there are the countries, as you mentioned, with universal health care, where, I mean, even you just go over the border to Canada and, you know, they shrug and say, why are you always talking about health care? Everything's free here. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously paid for, but their system seems to be working a little bit better than ours. And they don't fight about it every minute of every. So very cool. I look forward to hearing more updates on that, Harry. I'll have to have you back to, to have. A, and uh, of course, we look forward to the OK Boomer podcast and You'll hear about that loudly, folks, on uh, pod617.com. We are going to play a quick round of good stuff where both Harry and I will recommend something good that might brighten your day as we continue, at least for the time being, to mostly stay inside. And it's cold today in Boston, um, and uh, we're all still a little bit depressed. But before I get to good stuff, let me just remind you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. It's a great way to connect with your network, with your clients and your potential clients and other people you just kind of want to get in good with. You invite them as a guest on your show. 
Harry, I use you an example for this all the time. You've in, you've invited such a wonderful cast of characters and and impressive professionals onto the Ask Harry podcast. It has been fun, has it not? It, it's been great. Yeah, it's it's always fun to to meet with them and to see you once a month when we get together. So if you want your own podcast, you want to be the next big podcast star like Harry, go to pod six one seven dot com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in Pod We Trust. Hi, I'm Jay Ruderman. All Inclusive is a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Join me as I interview leaders and experts on the latest news focused on advocacy for social justice. In order to make progress that will lead to a more equitable future, honest discussions must be held. That is what All Inclusive is all about. Listen and subscribe to the All Inclusive podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Visit the show website for more information and full episode transcripts at www.allinclusivepodcast.com. Okay, let's play good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Harry, being the author that he is, has appropriately selected a book to recommend. And tell us about it, my friend. So I would like to recommend Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. Uh, she's uh, the writer who uh, wrote another great book called uh, The Warmth of Other Sons, which is about the Black migration from uh, the South uh, to the North and also uh, to California. And Cast is her new book, which compares the treatment of Blacks in the United States to the treatment of Dalits or Untouchables in India. And, and it sh- basically shows how rigid these systems of putting people and keeping people in their so-called place exist and persist in India, and they um, exist and persist here in the United States. And um, it's, though she ends the book on a somewhat hopeful note, a lot of it's unfortunately somewhat depressing. I mean, and one, one thing that, that you get struck by from the book as well as the uh, recent 400th anniversary of, of the first slaves coming to the United States, is in the history of this country, before, even before it was most of it before it was a nation, of 400 years, Blacks have in the United States have spent more time as slaves than as free, much more time as slaves than as uh, being free from slaves. And of course, freedom is relative. That's right. Um, if, if you still continue to be treated worse than people with, I guess, mess who are lighter skinned. Have you seen that documentary, The 13th? I think that's what uh, it's no, called. No, I didn't. Yeah, I think that's what it's called, right? Do I have my amendment right? The 13th Amendment? Is that... I think so. I should know my constitution better yeah, than yeah, I do. No, it is called 13th. The uh, documentary came out in 2016, but it makes the very point that I think is probably one of the themes of Ms. Wilkerson's book, and that is that just because the slaves were freed, it, it hardly meant that they were truly free, not only for the foreseeable future, but in some ways, arguably right up until today, there were still echoes of slavery because the laws, just as the laws changed to free people, the laws also changed to, in, in many ways, including, you know, throughout the you know, last century, the, the drug laws being unfairly enforced against people of color. And it was almost like the new slavery. And we, you know, we incarcerate more people than any other country per capita, and we incarcerate more minorities than any other country per capita. And so, but this sounds like she makes some inter- interesting comparisons. And so yeah. that's, that's so that's and, a, and she's a very she's a very good writer. 
Very good. Cast, it is. And I had to ask how to spell it, so don't be embarrassed if you don't know either, listeners. It's uh, Cast, C-A-S-T-E, The Origins of Our Discontent by Isabel Wilkerson. You can find that on Amazon. Not a sponsor of the show, but we always like to tell people how to find it. Um, I, for my good stuff, I'm going to mention something that I think a lot of you probably are, are watching or have watched, and that's the Woody Allen and Mia Farrow documentary. Have you caught any of this, Harry? No, I haven't. Okay, well, I'm going to play a little bit of the, the trailer for you and our listeners, and then uh, we'll have a couple thoughts. Don't worry, I won't spoil it for you, Harry, but let's take a listen to uh, a little bit of the trailer for the HBO documentary, Alan versus Pharaoh. This is the story of two of the biggest stars in the world. The father is Woody Allen, writer, director, actor. The mother is Mia Farrow, his co-star and mother of his three children. Say hi. Hi. My family was really close. It was an amazing childhood. But no matter what you think you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Woody Allen is one of the most prominent American directors. He was such a cultural figure. Woody Allen, Mia Farrow, that's the ideal power couple. Woody gave her everything she could possibly want. I was over the moon happy. But that's the great regret of my life. I wish I'd never met him. Mia reportedly has a video of their daughter, Dylan, explaining how Alan molested her. Would you give us a comment, Woody? Alan denies child abuse, but freely admits he's in love with another of Pharaoh's daughters, 21-year-old Soon Yi. There was a stack of Polaroid pictures. All of them were of my own child. I remember struggling to breathe. So that gives you a little flavor of what the, the documentary is about, but it, it is Kind of everything you might think, although I got to say for, for me, it was eye-opening. Now, do you remember when that was in the news, Harry? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, my memory of it was that a lot of people's opinion of, of Woody changed, you know, for the worse, but mainly because he had entered into this relationship with Mia Farrell's adult ad- adopted daughter, Sunyi, who, of course, he remains married to, so apparently it was true love. But there was something kind of, for lack of a better word, creepy about it, that it, it, an older guy and someone who was not his daughter, but was s- sort of someone who might be a daughter figure to him. Yeah. But I, from my memory, I don't remember the other allegations. And what comes out in this is you heard the voice of Dylan Farrow, Woody's daughter, talk about being molested by him and, you know, like any sad tale of molesting a lot of it is you know this question of who remembers what and what exactly happened and it's not like there are witnesses to these things so yeah what was your memory of that well i don't know i don't remember if it was at the same time but i do remember a lot of that came out and there was a lot of news about that as well maybe 10 years ago or something like that so that's been in the news for a while yeah um well i do recommend it to to all it brings up some very interesting questions because the question of whether money and power can win out, I mean, they don't draw a comparison to the OJ criminal trial, but I think they probably could because Woody Allen has a lot of powerful friends in New York. And, you know, as I mentioned, as a casual sort of observer back in the 80s or whenever this was, I thought what he did was kind of uncool, but I didn't, I, the, the other stuff he managed to kind of squelch in most people's and and in part of, the, the, they talk about this in the doc that he he emphasized the fact that he was coming clean to the Sun Yi thing, and so uh-huh. it, it almost turned him into the good guy. Like, I, you know, I, I am guilty of this, although it's not a crime. You know what I did? It, it's uh, and I'm sorry. 
and I want to go back to being a good person. And it's not that way at all. And so you hear in the documentary, you hear the voice of Woody, which were mainly excerpts from his audio book. He didn't agree to be talked to about to, right. to, to, to this one. But you hear a lot of the kids, Dylan and, and Ronan and, and Mia Farrow. Um, and what's actually the, the thing that's kind of odd about it is, although, you know, the I don't know where you stand on this, Harry, if you can separate the the artist from the art. In other words, we know now about Michael Jackson. Now, I happen to be a fan of his music. I find I can still, it took a while, but I can now listen to his music and realize, you know, I'm, I'm going, the art is good. The person may not have been. I never knew him personally anyway. With Do you, have, do you ever have that sense? Do, um, do, do you tend to d- dislike either an actor or an author or anyone just because of something they did? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's hard to uh, separate yeah. <laughs> that from the, the person from the work. Um, mm. And so... No. So, I mean, I guess the tragedy is that I liked Woody Allen's work so much and now it's hard, it's hard to watch it. So, and I don't really want to watch his new movies. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see, you'll see from the documentary that the characters in his movies were actually, uh, many of them seemed very close to Woody the person. And, you know, yeah. you know, it, the, one of his biggest movies is Manhattan where he's having a relationship with a uh, character played by Mario Hemingway, who's seven, right. 17 years old. And I don't know if we were more blasé about that in the 80s or 70s, whatever that was. But I think probably we were more blasé and it seemed more like fiction then. Well, that's right. That's right. And this documentary makes you wonder where, where the lines are because Woody, you know, Woody, you know he, he typically plays that neurotic character who's very funny. And, you know, I, I, Annie Hall is among my favorite comedies ever. And, but, it, it draws some disturbing parallels. Mia Farrow also seems to be exactly like the person, the kind of well-meaning sort of nice person she plays in all the movies. Anyway, so Alan versus Farrow on HBO. And uh, more importantly, askharry.info for Harry's book and his blog. Don't forget, okboomer.substack.com. And I hope you had fun, Harry. I, I did. This is a lot of fun, Dave. Cool. I hope, hope you've been surviving the pandemic okay. Yeah. You know, in my podcast bunker here, I manage and... Slowly but surely, people are starting to come back to our studios in Westwood, and I hope to see you back there sometime soon. They say if we're both vaccinated, we can be in the same room together. That's right. All right. See, now I've got something to look forward to. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Harry. Terrific stuff as usual. If you like this podcast, again, share it with a friend. So thanks to our sponsor, the All Inclusive Podcast. Find that anywhere you find your pods. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. If you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com. On behalf of the great Harry Margolis, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Oh, yeah.